Hey, hello! Welcome to episode 362 of Sack King's Therapy. Uh, this will be the first half of the episode where I go over the Suns game uh, of a first game of a back-to-back. -back. And the Kings start off well by absolutely <laughs> taking the Suns to the SmackDown Hotel. A good way to kind of get some redemption after just getting a can of absolute whoop-ass opened on them by the Celtics. Uh, if you are wrestling fans, hopefully you got that very, very uncreative and very lame joke. Uh, I'm coming to you solo for at least this first half. I don't know if the, if, uh, the Minnesota game we're going to have Fong, but unfortunately Fong had to miss this game. Uh, he had um, personal obligations to attend to. So, yeah, hopefully he's back in the second half. We'll see. So what happened during this game? Well, again, it was a bounce back game for the Kings. And it was one of those games where, you know, like the Kings, after a terrible loss, they tend to actually, you know, they tend to look themselves in the mirror and just reanalyze themselves a little bit. And then they come out with a, a new type of energy, a, a renewed energy, uh, cup, you know, going, going into the next game. And this kind of was that game. You know, they came out just looking more energized, honestly, on, on offense. Uh, the defense took a little bit to actually come around. Like, I thought I thought the Kings should have been up by, like, 10-plus in the first quarter because I thought their offense was actually running really well. They were getting good shots. They were, uh, they, they were just run, running their actions very well. But, like, they would just, you know, do – they just either would miss the open shot or just, you know – or just you know for whatever reason turn it over there were there was very well run but you know they they, they looked like they were in rhythm and it looked like things were kind of go, gonna you know blow out of proportion because the suns uh let's just say we'll, we'll get to them in more detail later it just felt like they didn't they just weren't good enough their defense was really bad and i just thought the Kings should have actually been able to score on them a lot easier in the first quarter but the second quarter comes through. It's kind of more of the same. The Kings are kind of running their offense uh, and, you know, you know, making plays here and there. They're struggling to stop the Suns, but the Suns can't stop them. So it just kind of hangs around, like, you know, eight, five to eight points uh, for most of the second quarter. And then the meltdown happened by the Suns. It started with, I believe it was a... It was a dunk in transition, I think. By I th it was either Azubuki or Booker. I don't even remember. But there, there's a dunk. There's a dunk in transition, and Kate. No, I don't think it was in transition. There was a dunk that happened. <laughs> I don't remember. Sorry, I'm like just a little fluster right now. Just can't, can't remember everything that happened. But there was a dunk that happened. Katie celebrates from the bench, gets a very very weak technical foul. That starts off a chain reaction where Devin Booker, I believe, get, yeah, Devin Booker gets, kind of get, gets up, gets up to the ref, and he gets a technical foul. So there goes two, te two technical free throws. The, uh, Harrison Barnes makes both technical free throws. And then on the ensuing possession, I think they score. I, I don't remember the exact sequence, but that kind of gave the Kings some much, like, unneeded mo momentum because they were already building some. And then later on, the Kings start to actually turn up their defense a little bit kevin herter gets kevin durant um at the half court line and kind of bumps him a little bit with his chest nothing crazy but then kd just kind of really nonchalantly dribbles it you know up dribbles it 
on the other side of the half court, getting a half court violation. Uh, Frank Vogel gets a technical foul. And yeah, so that's three technical fouls in the second quarter. The Kings kind of pounce on it. The, the Kings ha- had been playing well. They, had, I thought they actually kind of got away with some with some fouls. There was a really weird-looking Sabonis fast break where uh, on the replay, it doesn't look like he traveled, although they didn't show one. Like, I just re-watched the clip on YouTube and or on uh, Twitter, and it just, it, it just looks like a really weird move where on the fast break, he kind of comes to a jump stop, but it's one of those weird jump stops where both feet don't really land at the same time. And then he, and then one of the feet actually goes forward, but it's unclear if that's the pivot foot or not. Anyways, he makes the layup. You know, there were some calls that were kind of going that let's just say favored the Kings a little bit. Look, and I'm going to criticize the refs for missing calls. Like, you know, they, they probably missed one there. I don't know. It just looked weird. I don't know if it was a travel or not. And the point I'm trying to make, the the Kings kind of started to get under the Suns' skin a little bit because, like, they were actually, like, playing some good defense, smelling a little bit of blood, and then the refs really got to them. And, you, you and you know, depending on which order, I think the refs got to the, got to the Suns, and then the Kings really upped their defense, really kind of pouncing on the opportunity, smelling blood. And then going into the second, going into the second half, uh, the Kings went into it with an 11 point lead, and it looked like the the Suns were teetering. But you know, it's going to be a halftime. You know, probably the Suns are going to regroup, and then the Kings are going to be in for a dogfight. Third quarter happens. It's just an absolute murder. It's a murder scene, where the the Kings come out on a 9-0 run, uh, started with a Sabonis layup, and then of all things to happen. De'Aaron Fox Pat throws up an alley-oop to, of all people, Kevin Herter. And he actually manages to dunk kind of on Booker. And yeah, like that started a giant route. They go on a 9-0 run. It's a 20-point lead. And, and it only got worse for, for the Suns. The Kings make their first 12 field goals. Like they literally did not miss a single field goal for the first like three to four minutes. And a lot of them were just, you know, like maybe book, maybe one of Booker or KD would make a shot and then immediately it would lead to a layup or three the other end. It was an absolute route. And then, and then like in the middle of the quarter, the, things start to calm down a little bit. The Kings kind of do their thing where they go on a random drought. So they started the quarter 12 for 12 from the field and then end the quarter uh, two of 12. And that kind of let, let the uh, Suns cut the lead from what was once a 29-point lead all the way to 19. And the only reason why it was 19 was because Harrison Barnes, I thought, got a pretty phantom and one on Nasir Little at the end of the quarter when they were when they were only up 16, and he gets the and one to push it back to 19. Fourth quarter was just, you know, a little bit of taking care of business. Uh, the starters did play a little longer than I would have liked, but they definitely, they definitely sealed the deal. Like the Suns tried to make a run, but they just could not get uh, enough from uh, KD and Booker, who basically are already gassed. And then, like literally, no one else on the Suns did anything. It was, it was a rough game uh, for for a lot of the Suns. And yeah, it, it, you know, it's it's really kind of a contrast of two teams in a way. You have a, you know, a collective team in the in the Kings where. Like the high score was some bonus with 28, but it was a very balanced scoring effort from all all around the starting line. You have 19 from Barnes, you have 21 from Keegan, you have 23 from Fox, and then a very impactful 13 from uh 
from Kevin Herter. And then on the bench, there really wasn't that much scoring. It was the highest, uh, the, the leading scorer from the bench is actually Malik with seven points. And with the way he played, you felt like he had like 17 or 27. He had a monster jam uh, coming coming down the lane on a, on a fast break where he dunked over over uh or kind of just around and like through drew eubanks who had a rough game <laughs> we'll get to him in a bit but it, it it was a very balanced attack and then you look at the suns you had 28 from kd and you know 24 from booker and then the next and then you have 11 from grayson allen and azabuki which I, who i really like and then some random points from metsu it's just it, it's a very it's a very heavy it's a very top heavy team and you know when the when those two guys like they have to do everything and the kings you know give credit to their defense they they made the suns pretty uncomfortable it felt like and you know they made other guys try to beat them and they just couldn't cash and you know it's just one of those games where the i thought the kings just played with better energy they played as a collective and they forced and they forced the suns into let's just com is a compromising positions well, they took advantage of the Suns for sure. So that's how that's how I'll describe it. Um, quickly, just kind of go over um, the Suns. Um, so the, as I mentioned, the Suns, they're basically Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. And then you just literally pray to God someone on the team does literally anything. Like without Beal, they just don't really have a third guy. And unfortunately, to really add insult to injury, they didn't have Nurkic, they didn't have a Kogi, and they didn't have Damian Lee. Although, although has Damian Lee even played for this team this year? Like, I feel like he's been out for a while. But without Nurk and a Kogi, you literally just don't have a third player. And of course, Beal's just out. He might as well not be on the team right now. <laughs> like he's been, he plays so little games. But without those guys, you're relying on you know now Drew Eubanks instead of a Kogi. You end up having to rely on Eric Gordon who actually literally didn't do anything this game well he got four rebounds and two assists good for him but zero points and then uh what was and then what's it called who's another one Saban Lee Saban Lee was a guy that ended up playing because you know Josh Okogia was out and uh boy he's a good defender holy shit he has a broken jump shot it's just it's rough you're you're asking these guys to step into like you know, do, do more than they really ever should. Like ha having Drew Eubanks start, I don't know what the infatuation was that Kings fans, so a certain, like some Kings fans had with Drew Eubanks. He's not good. Like there were, there were moments where he just dropped the ball and then, you know, he'll get the ball inside and not be able to finish. It's, it's just, it was a rough game for him. And then, and then you have Grayson Allen, which is like, what I don't, know what it is with Grayson Allen. I've never seen him do anything. It feels like it says he's three for six from three. I don't remember. I'm, I remember him making one three, maybe like, it's just one of those weird things with Grayson Allen. I don't think he, I don't feel like he ever does anything yet. He's just the guy that just kind of exists out there. And yeah. The, and then you have like, uh, was it Yudoka Azubuki who actually managed to step up? I thought he was really good. He was a very impactful offensive rebounder. And if, if it was a if it was anywhere near close game, and if the Kings somehow lost this game, he would have been probably the catalyst because he got some big offensive rebounds where, you know, like in, in a close game, like that, like those kinds of offensive rebounds matter. And you know, uh, Sabonis actually struggled to score against them. Like he had his way with Drew Eubanks, but like Azubuki, you know, he has some he has some beefiness to him, and was also just you know good on on offense. 
And then, like, the only other guy that I even did any... Well, like, Metsu I thought was okay, but, like, the issue with him is he can't shoot from three. So, like, this is he's just limited in his role. But I thought he was actually pretty good. But, you know, ultimately just... You're asking him... You're asking way too much from him, honestly, if you want, you know, Chimezi Metsu to save you. But the only other guy, like, I felt that did anything was Nasir Little. Like, at one point, he he caught a ball at when the Kings doubled KD caught the ball and managed to just go to the basket and just finish like he that was literally all you needed to do playing around KD and Booker and the Suns just don't have those guys right now you know and it's gonna be tough like without Beal you just you can't make up for the gigantic holes that this team has which is they have three incredible individual scores that I think can work, but when you're missing one of your key pieces, one of the big three, you're asking other guys to do more. And of course, they were missing Nurk and all that. You just have a bunch of guys who were injured, and yeah, you're just you're you're really really thin, and you're just you're just praying to God literally anyone outside of Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker do anything. And unfortunately, they just did not do anywhere near enough. To be able to beat the kings and you know we'll see if they figure it out they've had a rough december and we'll see if it actually gets any better anyways uh to the king to the king's individual player sabonis was just absolutely dominant when you have drew eubanks out there lord have mercy i felt bad for drew eubanks really Azabuki did a good job on him but you know he's a guy that apparently i think only played like single digit minutes i think nine minutes was what i read and uh yeah you're asking a two-way player to guard some bonus. Like, what are you expecting? <laughs> and so uh, he ends up getting a triple-double, uh, 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. There was a funny moment in the fourth quarter where it was about a five-minute stretch where he tried. He was at nine rebounds, and he could not get a rebound. And on one of them, it was so unfortunate because Keegan Murray, I guess, accident, not even accidentally, I don't think, he just didn't know, just stole a rebound from Sabonis. You could actually hear a groan from the crowd, which I thought was really funny. But he ends up getting two more offensive rebounds in the fourth. And uh, yeah, he gets his triple-double, 28 points, 11 rebounds, and 11 assists. Harrison Barnes had a really good game, 19 points. And he, he was on from three. And then he was also just really timely with some of his shots. When weirdly enough, sometimes like when, when the Kings needed a shot to just kind of quell the run that the Suns were going on, like Harrison Barnes stepped up and he actually played the le team leading 37 minutes, which I don't love on the on the first night of on the first night of a back-to-back. -back. But I, I thought he was really good. Maybe he's kind of getting his legs under him now. Still don't love the one rebound, and especially in a game where the Kings did four stretches struggle for struggle rebounding. They actually got out rebounded. Um, was it um, thirty seven to forty five? The Suns at forty five. You know, Harrison does need to actually get rebounds sometimes. Like there were moments where they just got out hustled, and I just wish they would get more. Same thing with kind of Keegan. It says he has five rebounds, but I could count like one or two rebounds where he just. Like, he just doesn't go up strong enough for rebounds sometimes. Like, sometimes he'll just kind of reach out his arms and kind of softly grab it when he needs to, like, fucking yank that shit and, you know, close it to his body to where no one else could get could get the ball. That being said, 8 for 13 for 21 points. What am I to complain about? 3 for 7 from 3. He's been really good lately and just really steady. Uh, De'Aaron Fox was just really, really good. Like, just cruised to a 20, 23.7 assists and 6 rebound game. He was just unstoppable for stretches and he also plays some really good defense uh against book and even kd 
KD tends to struggle with like, you know, wiry small guys with really quick hands. And Fox falls into that category. And he just, he, I thought it was just really active on defense. Uh, Kevin Herter, I thought had a really good game. It says he's only two for six uh, from the field, but I thought he was a lot better than that. Like, you know, he's been getting kind of the short end of the stick in terms of getting just getting benched when the Kings aren't playing well. But I feel like he's been impactful. And uh, yeah, just had a, had a nice game, 13 points and five assists and uh, two rebounds. Just he's been he's been OK. And I think he should get a longer leash because, like, you know, he, he does good things out there. He, he does get hunted on defense, but. It's not really his fault, I'll just say. It's more of a team thing, and he happens to be the white guy that the that other players like to go at. Um, Off the bench, Malik only had seven points. It's got to be the loudest seven points I've ever seen before because, again, just he makes certain plays that just make you go, holy shit, that just changed the momentum of the game. His dunk on Eubanks just absolutely, like, you know, blew the roof off a Golden One Center. The the crowd like just absolutely exploded for that, and it gave the team a, a different energy. And it's really it's really weird to look at the box score and say see he only has seven points and five assists. It was probably the most impactful seven seven points five assist game I've ever seen. Keon Ellis continues to just be an absolute. He's been really really good. He actually had some foul trouble to, to begin the game. He got two quick fouls like within forty seconds, but actually ended only with three fouls. He was being very physical, and just he doesn't have a crazy wingspan if I remember right. Maybe like a six six. It's not a crazy wingspan, but he has to have some of the best hands I've ever seen. And when he reaches out, he has a crazy long reach and. You know, the Malik Monk dunk was actually started by him where Sabonis turns over the ball. Uh, Jordan Goodwin comes down the, comes down, uh, the court and Keon just reaches in with his, with his hands and somehow just knocks the ball loose and, that, and then it leads to, to the crazy Malik dunk. You know, Keon has really found, found a spot for himself. And he's just been so like impactful on the defensive end. Like he is a, he is the, the Kings' best defensive playmaker right now. And, you know, it's been it's been really good. Like he has he has he has taken Davion's position, and you know, I don't see Davion getting back into getting getting a, getting his spot back anytime soon with the way Keon's playing. He's just a steady guy on offense. He doesn't get in the way, and every now and then he can hit a shot. Although he's been hit, he's been shooting very well from three lately, and then on the defensive, and he just makes shit happen. Like it's it's an incredible ability that he has. Okay, so that's all I have uh, for the Kings. Again, it really was just a, the ta- the kind of the the two sides of two very different teams. Again, a top-heavy team that relies on their stars to play really well and just hoping someone steps up, and then a much more balanced team where you know at, at, at any point, like any guy can kind of step up and just make a play and kind of change the game, and then the rest of the team just kind of feeds off that energy. Now, of course, you can you can make an argument like every team's like that, but I feel like. The Kings are just a more balanced team. And, you know, it helps that they were making a lot of shots, although they didn't shoot all that well, like 12 for 38 from three. But, you know, the Suns, like, they <laughs> shot terrible from three. And then, yeah, like, they just got – their defense is so bad. Like, they're going to need to figure that out. And I that Beal's not going to fix that. Although just you know, the, best, the best defense, you know, you can play is by making the other team take the ball out of the net. And in the playoffs, 
it's going to be hard to stop all three of them. We'll see how this turns out. I still am somewhat of a believer in the Suns, but I, I had thought like, you know, there is a world where the Kings are a better team than them in the regular season. And yeah, right now they're a, they're a much better team despite, you know, the, the top end talent. Although again, one of the big three is missing. So it is what it is. Okay. Uh, just uh, some quick little notes just outside the game. So KOC did tweet out uh, just in response to his uh, the Celtics have broken this broken the Kings tweet. Kind of a bit of a kind of laughing at himself. Uh, so he basically said in the third quarter the Kings have broken the Suns. Kind of just you know uh, poking a little fun at his tweet uh, from what was it Monday night or Wednesday night? You know what? I I love KOC. Like he know he knows how to laugh at himself. I, I don't agree with most of his opinions. In fact, I really don't like a lot of his opinions. I really don't agree with them. But you know, he's a really good dude. I love what he does on the mismatch. And you know, like it, it ultimately, like I, the guy d- doesn't think that Sabonis is a top level player, and the and he doesn't think that the Kings are a championship contender. And it's okay. <laughs> like you know, it's different. It's different opinions. And like, you know, as I said, he, he probably isn't wrong and he's allowed to have that opinion. And then we can just disagree and we can move on and we can talk about something else, you know. And like, I love listening to his podcast and, you know, it, it is what it is. Um, you know, I'm glad he has a really good sense of humor about these things. He's always had a really good sense of humor. I mean, like, if you listen to The Mismatch, uh, if you listen to The Mismatch, Chris Vernon gives him so much shit sometimes. And it is an, it is an incredible dynamic between the two of them. It is it is a match made in heaven between the two of them. And, you know, it, it's it's great for comedy. And, you know, credit to, I guess, credit to KLZ for being just such a good sport about things. And, you know, I just don't think he should, he should get all the hate. Like, he is, he is, he has fallen into the category of the Amino Hassans and the, and the Zach Harbors, which those I don't think are fair either. Like, those guys have, I think, have valid opinions, although you can always argue, like, how much they do watch the Kings. I don't think they watch much of the Kings at all, but you can see where they're coming from, if you will. And, Again, I've I've given up on the notion that I expect national writers to ever watch every single game, and especially when it comes to Kings games. Like it is what it is. Like I I enjoy listening to these guys talk. They're they're very funny. They're very entertaining people. And you know, like K- KOC, he's 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 one of the best at laughing at himself. And credit them. Like I I hope one day the Kings the Kings fans find it in themselves to to just forgive KOC because like KOC is a good dude and uh, I I will always listen to the mismatch that's a that's a great podcast if you if you if you like basketball you'll like that podcast and if you have sour feelings against KOC you won't listen to it I won't blame you but you you're missing out I think but anyways I guess good on KOC for acknowledging his let's just say spicy tweet uh, from Wednesday. Uh, good news coming out of Kings. Uh, coming out of the Kings is that well, they didn't announce anything, but Alex Len, um, the reporters caught him uh, today in practice um, on Thursday. He where he was a full participant, according to uh, according to people who were there, and he was also a full participant in today's shoot around. But he still does remain out. But it's a very good sign that he could that he could participate in uh, practice. So he's probably close, I would assume. I don't. I haven't kept track uh, of what week it is. He was expected to be out six to eight weeks, but uh, he should be coming back soon. And you know, like he was. I thought he was playing really well before he went out. And 
you know, I'm, I'm, it's like Javel's been playing well these last two games. So like, I'm not saying to just kick him, you know, immediately replace him in the rotation, but you know, it'd be nice to see Alex Len back. Like Alex, Alex was doing some good stuff and, you know, like you have now you have another option in, in case like, you know, Javel just doesn't have it. Um, another thing I wanted to quickly talk about. So one of my biggest pet peeves with, with this team, right. Has always been the propensity or the willingness of one Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox to shoot off the dribble threes. Because, well, particularly Fox, because he's so good at going to the rim. I just feel like anytime he shoots a off the dribble three, he's settling. However, this season, I couldn't really believe this. Although I had I had heard whispers of his percentage, but he is shooting 40% from three. And he is one of only six players uh, that are shooting eight threes a game and shooting at shooting 40% or more. And it's a real evolution of his game that's, you know, again, for real, I th think for the most part, I think he will cool down. I don't, I don't know that, I really don't know if that percentage maintains. But it is an evolution of, of his game where you really can't afford to just let him bomb from three at, like, how he used to because he used to shoot like in the low 30s and you could live with that shot now i still don't know if it's gonna like if teams are gonna actually respect that shot because you do not want him going to the rim he is absolutely lethal going to the rim but it is becoming a legit weapon and i was hoping fong would be here and just seeing how surprised he is with, with that snap. maybe i'll say in the second half but yeah it's a real evolution that he's had although I personally would like to see him actually go to the mid-range still because I still love his mid-range game. Like, that is something that works in the playoffs, that works in close games. But, you know, having an, another extra kind of, you know, bullet in his chamber, you know, with with his three-point shooting, like, he, like, that could be, that could be the difference between him. Well, it kind of is the difference between him and between him being a superstar and being, like, a fringe all-star because this year he's, like, scoring almost damn near 30 points a game. So, like, he's taking a leap, and a big part of it is that three-pointer. So maybe I should stop bitching about him shoot, shooting a lot of threes. But, you know, it, I, it's been, it's you know what? I, I, I guess I can say I've been proven wrong, but I still would like to see him go to the rim more. <laughs> I guess I'll still bitch about it. Okay. Uh, quick, quick two thoughts. Um, so Pacers fans are turning on Buddy right now, uh, from what I've heard, uh, amidst their two and five losing skits since the in-season tournament. Um, I just think it's a little unfair. Uh, like, and look, granted, I haven't been watching Pacers games, but this is just what Buddy is. Like, he, he's a, he's a shooter that can run hot or cold, and when he's not shooting well, a lot of the other things start to kind of magnify themselves. A lot of the things he doesn't do specifically when it comes to defense and all defense, maybe like he gets a little bit of tunnel vision, maybe starts taking some bad shots. I've been watching, but look, Kings fans piling on buddy after he's, after he's not on the team, like saying, Oh, we all, we all told you about this. Like, this is who buddy is. Let's, let's, let's stop this. Like buddy slander. Like he was a very good player when he was here. Now, was he perfect? No, but you were asking him to do way more than what he was capable of. And I just don't think the good things he did for this team were ever emphasized by a lot of Kings Twitter, where he was one, he was one of the most healthy players to ever in the, in the league when he was here. And he was always willing to pay, play through injuries. And he was a legitimately good, 
you know, good three-point shooter, a good three-point threat. For the few games that he was, he actually sat, like, you could actually feel a bit of a void of scoring, like, as weird as that sounds. And, you know, like, I just, I just feel he's been, he's just, there's just way too much slander to appreciation ratio when it comes to Kings fans. I was very disappointed when the Kings booed him when he came back. Like, he deserves cheers. Like, he, he was a... He was a big part of this era, for better or for worse, and he did do a lot for this team. And I just feel like, come on, Kings fans, show him more love. Um, and then last thing, this is just a random thought I have. Uh, this is one I want to. I'll talk with. Um, I'll talk with Fong more. It just it doesn't really make sense for me to talk about it too much by myself. But uh, with the pay, with the Pistons situation getting so bad, where they've lost twenty five straight, they're one away from tying the record and two away from setting the uh, all-time losing streak with 27. So with the situation getting so bad and that, and you know, like with the talk of like, sh does Cade need to be traded from that team? If the, if the Pistons ever do want to do a fire sale and they want to actually include Cade Cunningham in a trade, how many picks are, should the Kings be willing to give up for Cade? Because that's an interesting that's an interesting conversation to be had because I I believe in Kate. I think it's a bad situation for him. It's just like it's really hampering what he's able to do. Is he like, you know, Luka Doncic or like a guy that will lift the tide that raises all boats? No, but he's a very good player and if he's if he's on a better situation, I think he can very very much thrive. If he can somehow like throw a tr find a trade for Kate Cunningham, Without including Key, and I don't, which I don't think that's possible. Actually, I think Pistons, if they're, if they have any rem any form of brain, but you know that could be a doubt. They're probably they would probably ask for Keegan, but you know if if there is a situation where you can get Kay Cunningham, I I do wonder what the price would be, and he would he would fit what the Kings would need, like a wing with some size who can do stuff on the offensive end and also be a very good defender. So an interesting conversation I thought I will be having with Fong hopefully in the next part of the recording. Hi listeners, we have partnered with HYV Designs to bring you a discount on their store. Please go to etsy.com slash shop slash H-Y-V-D-E-S-I-G-N-S and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount on their items. They have everything from King's Light the Beam memorabilia to BTS light sticks to Genshin Impact coasters and much more. Check out their store on Etsy.com and use promo code SKT15 on checkout to get a 15% discount. Link in the description. Well... Unfortunately, the Kings could not pick up back-to-back -back wins and their back-to-back or yeah, their back-to-back -back streak unfortunately continues. Or specifically, second night of back-to-back -back games as they lose 98 to 110 to the Timberwolves. Uh this game can be summarized this way. Yeah, when you lose the uh three-point battle, you lose the uh rebound battle, you lose the battle in the paint and you lose the fast break points, you tend to usually lose games, is kind of how I describe this game. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I thought you were going to introduce me since... <laughs> I yeah, Fong, was yeah Fong, Fong is here. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, again, take you behind the scenes a little bit. Uh, this is going to be, you know, the second part of the episode. So, 
you know, it's, some time has passed, even though it's probably only been 30 seconds on your end. But yes, a bomb is back. Yes, okay. I am. I, I, yeah, 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 I thought you were going to lose yourself. Like, come on, man. Yes, hello. Hello, hello. I... <laughs> okay, first, <laughs> first one was my bad. Second one, th this one's on you. This one's on you. Yeah, pretty much. Anyways, yeah, so the Kings lose the, um, again, lose the battle in the paint. They lose the rebound battle. They lose the fast break points and also got outshot from the three-point line. And somehow they were right there at the end, uh, down five with about two minutes to go. Um, they made a bit a late flurry, and but unfortunately a bad Trey Lyles turnover where he, he should have just shot the three instead of trying to uh, pass it up top. Uh, and Edie Edwards gets a pick six, and that basically ended the game. Um, the 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 problem with this game was that the Kings. Defense was actually, for the most part, pretty good. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, tw was it 28 fast break points, I think, for the Wolves? Let me check really quickly. Where is it? Yeah, 28. And it wasn't because they're playing fast or anything. They just played incredible defense, and they got out on the break, and they absolutely destroyed the Kings in transition. I don't know if that's something that can be fixed, but that was a problem in this game. Yeah, I mean, our transition defense has always been crap to say the least i guess but i mean their defense i gotta say they they really locked down our guys pretty well and you know with us being on a second night at back to back like you said it i wouldn't say per se we were tired out we just weren't hitting the shots that we needed to hit and you know we saw like a team on the second of a back to back in the Boston Celtics. They were on the second of a back to back, and they hit damn near every single three they took. So that's that's just not an excuse. Like they just could not hit shots. And you know when you don't hit shots, it's hard to win. And then and when you also don't defend in transition, yeah, it's hard to win. But anyways, like the main thing that I saw from this game. You had Deer Fox show up. You had Damanis Sabonis played, I thought, played very well. I actually thought when he actually went one-on-one -on -one against Gobert, he was actually really, really good against them. And I thought he should have done it more. But he has he, he's, he's so unselfish in his nature and a little bit timid to a certain degree. Like, he, it was two guys, and then no one else showed up, basically. Like, you look at the final box score, Keegan Murray had 20. Uh, Harrison Barnes at 12, they were at single digits for much of the game. And basically, it was Fox and Sabonis and a bunch of pumpkins. Yeah, pretty much. I came during, what, the third quarter. I remember, you know, watching here and there with the first and second. But, yeah, it, it, the Minnesota Timberwolves built up such a big lead for us to, I wouldn't say we weren't able to come back because, you know, it was comebackable, if that's even a word, but it's just, you know, just the little mistakes. And I mean, I just wish we kind of, you know, kept it up throughout the whole game instead of having just a short stint of a little hope to, you know, maybe be able to win this game at the end. I was like, when you said I came in, and like, you know, right before you said third quarter, I came looking for booty. I, I wish you actually said that. <laughs> I came looking for booty in the third quarter. And, but anyways, yeah, like they, they had a little bit of a late fl flurry in the fourth quarter. That was really nice to see. They finally started to hit, to hit some threes and hit some shots. They ended 
the night with a grand total of eight threes, unfortunately. And again, you get outshot from the three-point line by the Minnesota Timberwolves, no less. And you know, it's gonna this is gonna be hard to win. And but credit to the Kings for you know staying in there. And it, again, Trey Lyles doesn't turn that ball over and ho- hopefully hits that three to cut it to a four-point lead. Maybe it's a game. Who who knows? But unfortunately, like it, it just was not meant to be. Credit credit to the Wolves defense for making it as hard as possible on the Kings. When you shut down the paint like how Co- Gobert did, the Kings really do struggle to kind of like get to not only get shots at the rim, but they also like, you know, struggle to actually get off threes. Like 33 threes is actually not a lot of threes for them for the most part. And, you know, it, it's it's just tough. The Kings do need to figure that problem out. Like they, they need to find a way to adjust when teams are able to just pack the paint. They they need to be able to punish them somehow. And usually it's from the three-point line, but they were just horrible from three this game. Yeah, we'll see. And this is the what? Second time we faced the Wolves this season so far. And you know, so, you know what we did the first time? We hit a bunch of threes. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> but anyways, uh the, the last thing I, I want to quickly go over with the Kings. You, you cannot get so little from Kevin Herter and Chris Duarte. Now, Duarte, I thought was rough to watch for, for a lot of the game in the first half. I thought he was so hesitant to the point where it not only hurt like him in terms of just confidence, it also like, you know, brought the offense to a screeching hole and it was just ugly. And, you know, Kevin Herter was just couldn't hit shots was basically his problem. And, what just didn't do any basically didn't do anything out there and you know it's it's just so hard to win when you have you know your shooting guards you know your your starting shooting guard and your uh backup shooting guard combined for five total points and in 33 minutes total like like it's tough man yeah pretty much and it also sucks that Malik monk wasn't here because Without Malik Monk off the bench, our bench is not the same for sure. <laughs> and uh, in terms of offensive, we because man, it it just the flow of the offense just didn't feel right. If you and, know what I mean. And you know, you lose your third creator. You have Fox and Sabonis; they are your primary creators, and then you have Malik uh, off the bench. And, you know, and also let's not forget how much energy Malik Monk brings. You, you know, you miss, you miss the, uh, you know, the first, the, the last game, he scored seven points last game and it was the most energizing seven points you, you have ever seen in your life. Like it felt like he had 70, like despite only having seven and, you know, that really did affect, that really did affect the Kings. Although like, I don't think it actually affected them as much as people want to make it out to be, but like, you know, that's another guy that could come in and hit some threes or at least like change the change the energy on the offensive end. But you didn't have Malik and it shows you just how important he is to, to uh, the Kings. Oh, yeah. I mean, last game he had, you know, five assists, very key uh, to the bench and also, geez, three blocks. And I didn't see that. Yeah, two on the same. Uh, it, you know, you know, it was so funny. I didn't mention it in the uh, first half of the podcast, but. He got two blocks on the same possession, and it it did a there was a weird thing where all of a sudden on the second block, which turned into a jump ball, fifty three seconds were added to the time, 
<laughs> and then they caught it at the end of the quarter, which was it was just the oddest thing that happened. And someone were make some people were making a joke. His two blocks broke the space time continuum. <laughs> oh man! So that what they kept on playing with that clock until the they caught it like right before the end of the end of the quarter and it, so like there were like a minute a minute and 10 left and then all of a sudden it just became 20 seconds left basically it was a very uh, it was a very weird moment i wonder what happens if they kept on playing till the end where it hit zero would they <laughs> like take away seconds for the four or next quarter or what that's what i would assume but e e either way um yeah just not having malik did really hurt the kings and also hurt the Kings. They could not hit jack shit from three. Well, back to back. Hopefully, you know, yeah, we'll find some way to, you know, combat this. And maybe someday I have hope that the next back to back we'll play will hopefully win both in the same uh, circumstance, I guess. You know, I have a note here, like, you know, a better effort. But it is still a loss, but hopefully this is just progress. And again, they hit a few more threes. I think this is a very different game. Like, there isn't much to look into for me anyways. It's just they weren't hitting open shots. It was literally the only was the only issue that I saw, really. Yeah, I mean, very winnable game. Cat wouldn't have, well, it would have swung it differently, but definitely... Um, having Malik back would probably be a lot different. But in terms of, I guess, defense, what would you say you about this game for them? I mean, on defense, again, I thought the half-court defense was oh, pretty good for the most part. They could not really stop the Mike Conley go bear pick and roll. And the Kings made that made that big run in the fourth with Mike Conley on the bench because Conley is just, he's so good. Like, he doesn't score all that much. And he doesn't do, like, crazy things. Like, he doesn't do, like, crazy flashy things, but he just makes the right play just not every time. And then also, with like, not to shit on him too much, but Anthony Edwards had five turnovers this game. Like, he is a guy that just does, I guess just does dumb shit, I guess, like, at, at, the, at the end of games when he gets trapped. And just having Mike Conley there is just it like to be able to dissect the defense the way he the, the way he, that he can is just it's re it's really incredible what he does. I mean, a plus twenty eight um, with along with Gobert who was a plus twenty seven. Like it, it felt like that. Yeah, which is crazy because Anthony Edwards, which I didn't expect him to hit ten assists this game as well. Also three for twelve again with the three pointer <laughs> and also five turnovers. So yeah. it's, you know, like Anthony Edwards is really good, but I thought he was actually kind of bad for stretches. Like in clutch time, outside of those like pick six, uh, outside of the pick six dunks, I thought he was pretty bad. <laughs> like he just, you know, couldn't, he couldn't attack the trap effectively. And yeah, he's just, he, he's, he's getting there. Um, he's a very good player and unstoppable force at times, but it's guys like Mike Conley that really unlock and honestly cover up a lot of his mistakes. Oh, yes. So, yeah, and, you know, give, give credit to Gobert. He was very good this game um, and was very effective on defense. Um, but ultimately, like, I just thought the Kings just couldn't hit threes. They hit threes. They probably win this game. Well, let's hope uh, next game, well, I have a feeling we'll do a lot better, but 
uh, well, well, I guess we'll have to see. Who are we against? Oh, we're against the Trailblazers. Trailblazers are frisky. Don't underestimate them. Anthony Simons is back, and Anthony is very, very good. Mm. He's been out for quite a while, too, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he had thumb surgery, and ever since he's been back, he's he's dangerous. Like He's a dangerous scorer. And, yeah, right now they're actually benching Scoot right now, which is unfortunate. But, like, Ant, Ant is so good. And then if Jeremy Grant plays, too, like, that's two very – very powerful offensive engines. Uh, we'll see. That's Tuesday, I'm assuming. Is it? I forgot, but uh, let me see. It is on uh, the 26th. So, yes, Tuesday. You are right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Some quick questions for you, or specifically about this game. So, the Kings this year have lost their back-to-backs by their four back-to-back games, or specifically second night of back-to-back games by 82 points is that a concern to you oh that's tough i'm kind of 50 50 on that like is a concern to the point where i know for sure we're not good on back-to-backs but at the same time i mean i don't know what the problem would be it's hard to pinpoint if that if uh, you could uh, say that in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it's a problem. <laughs> I really don't. Like, there was another stat. I forgot what, what the specific numbers were, but it was something along the lines of the Kings, like, basically were always in close games last year and never really got blown out, but the Kings have been blown out way more often this year. Look, it's sure, it's numbers. It doesn't look great. Does it matter? I don't think so. Just because a win's a win, a loss is a loss. Like it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't really matter. You lose by like two or by fifty to me. I just I don't really care about that. Like it's it, it does it show that the Kings are a different team this year? Yes, they're they're not the offensive. Uh, they're not like the pure offensive machine that they were last year. But like they're trying to grow. And they're trying to play defense, and it's kind of changed their identity a little bit. And sometimes it looks a little ugly, but they have a better record this year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, four, you said four so far, right? Four. Yeah. So, I mean, that's only four out of the 11 losses that we had so far. And those rest of the seven, still pretty close cool games, if I remember correctly. And if we were to go back to every single loss so far, that wasn't back to back pretty close i'm pretty sure but i mean and last thing i'm gonna say minnesota being the first seed of western conference i mean i can see it in some ways they got a pretty decent team not compared to like last year and this is without cat by the way who like the the main the main criticism i have for them this game i mean the king shot eight for 33 from three and you actually struggled to put them away like their offense is a bit is a bit suspect. They don't have great three point shooters. They they just don't. Mike Conley is probably their best three point shooter. But like yeah, they have an absolutely elite defense, and yeah, they're like they can suffocate like offenses like like Sacramento, and it's you know they'll need to be able to score a little bit more. But like they have a foundation for 
a good playoff team. I don't know if they're a championship team. I just don't think they have enough offense to, to be able to be that. No. No, I wouldn't say so, but who knows? Maybe their defense can carry them pretty far into the playoffs, but we'll have to see until that time comes with you know everyone back, especially Cat. I mean, congratulations to the Wolf fans. Like, you know, I mean, it's incredible. Like, you know, the Kings are what, the sixth seed or fifth seed now? And the Minnesota Timberwolves are the first seed. Like, what a time to be alive. Like, Warriors are all the way down there. Although they have, they've actually been on a, a bit of a run since, uh, since uh, Draymond's been out. But, like, it is a bit of a changing of the guard. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Suns are still down there. Lakers are, you know, just slightly in front of the Warriors. So the Phoenix Suns out of the play in right now. Yeah, that's uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it, they'll, they'll come back for sure, but yeah, will they? Like, there the were team... a lot more issues than what I, than, there are a lot more issues that, that Bradley Beal will solve. I'll just say that. Now, hmm. do, now, of course, like, you know, if you just keep scoring buckets, like maybe no team's ever gonna stop you, but they got they got issues. Yeah, I mean Brooklyn 2.0 is not looking good right now, but you know, I have faith they could at least make it into the top ten somehow. Yeah, they don't make the top ten. Ooh. Yeah, that that would look terrible. They're, I mean, their whole future, not whole future, but you know whatever picks they had to give up for <sighs> Beal and uh, whatchamacallit, Durant. Yeah, that's that's going to be a tough nail to bite. Well, uh, you know, so ultimately, I don't think these, like, rough, like, crazy blowout losses are anything to worry about. I don't think these losses, the record on second out of back-to-backs mean anything. Like, they're just... A little bit of shooting luck. They they've not shot it well this year for a lot of games. Like they've had explosive games, but they've also had games where no one hits anything. And you know, it, it's just kind of like sometimes that's how the uh, that's just what happens. And you know, I they like, again they have a good record. Um, and like they've they played these top teams very well this year. And yeah, I, I, again, just growing pains. I think it's a little bit of people just kind of micro-analyzing certain things, over-analyzing certain things. And, you know, just, just you know, it's a loss. Like, you, you, the Kings were going to go 82-0. and 0, And, you know, after a loss, just, you know, just look at it and just realize, like, hey, maybe there just isn't that much to worry about. Like, sometimes you have a bad shooting night and, uh, you know, one or two more shots go, go your way. It's easily, it easily was a winnable game. Despite the Kings losing by 12, it was a very close game. And yeah, it's not like it's going to happen every single game consecutively throughout here and now, like from here on out. So, I mean, at least, you know, we have a majority of games where, you know, we see the same old Kings and not the Kings that we saw tonight. Okay. Uh, So we mentioned the Suns earlier and just being in a bad situation if they don't even make the 10 spot. Would that be worse than what the Pistons are going through right now. What a transition. The uh, Pistons has, have uh, lost 26 straight. <laughs> they tie the record for the most consecutive losses of all time. Uh, if you're wondering, it's the process Sixers. I forgot which year it is, but that is a team that tried to lose on purpose. 
And this team, they're not trying to lose on purpose right now. They just, they're just bad. Yeah. Um, I would, I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I, I got to say the Suns so far, just because really? you have, wow. For me, you have such limited time, I feel, with Durant and Beal. Uh, I don't know about their contracts, but definitely in terms of age and injury report. Um, for Detroit, I mean, I think they have slightly enough assets to keep them afloat for uh, year, some years to come, but I can't say for sure. So I got to say the Suns are kind of, I mean, they got to do something to, you know, make a push to uh, make it somewhat close to the playoffs. Well, it's good news. Good news. They don't have assets to do fuck all right now yeah, or, or in the future but uh i actually don't disagree with you like here's the thing about the pistons you're, you're losing it's ugly but you know you are losing you, you you'll get a high draft pick like at, would it be crazy to say this is actually not worse than what the kings did for so many years because the kings tried to win and they actually did win a few games to make it so, like, they get the eighth or the ninth pick. Like, it's not as, like, at least you're guaranteed to get a top five pick if you're the Pistons. What you do with that top five pick is a whole other issue. They've not been incredible at drafting, it doesn't seem like. And them mm. getting all these little reclamation projects like James Wiseman and Marvin Bagley. Although I've heard Marvin's been good. It's a rough one. And But I will say... There is hope. You, like, one or two trades to just get a little bit more shooting. By the way, they have Joe Harris, and I think he got a DMP. It was like, what? What are you, what the fuck are you, what the fuck are you idiots doing? Um, But it's just, it, it's ugly right now. And uh, I don't know if it's getting better at any time this season. Uh, yeah, it's tough to say. They're definitely not pushing over the playoffs right now. That's that'd be impossible. That'd be a miracle. Although, yeah, boy, Toronto Raptors not looking all that good. They they lost to the Jazz uh, without Lowry Market and without THT, which actually could be good. Um, without Jordan Clarkson. Well, I mean, no bueno. No if they're willing to trade some players, I mean, we're open uh, for the right price, of course. But going back to Detroit, I mean, it's, I, I mean, it is tough. There's uh, just got to have something to look forward to, I guess, which I, I feel like at this point is going to be the draft. So hopefully, you know, whatever, whoever's in the top five is uh, going to be uh a good fit for the Detroit Pistons and maybe they'll make a good run next year. Kind of like how uh, I saw with Minnesota this season, because I didn't expect Minnesota to jump to straight to first, uh, you know, up to now. So I kind of expected them to be kind of teetering in the uh, play in situation. Uh, but you know who did give them, give them props. You're a boy right here. Yeah, you were doubtful. I thought they were going to be better just because I thought Mike Conley, and it showed this game, he he sets up that offense. He does so many good things for your offense. And I thought he was going to make them a lot better than what D'Lo was able to do. Uh, but it either, but anyway, back to the topic at hand. Uh, you know, did they break the record? They're playing, they're playing Brooklyn uh, on the 26th. That's a tough one. 
and they might well be breaking the record unless some uh, shenanigans happen and somehow they wake up. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I think it may continue until, you know, I don't know. Hopefully <laughs> whoever bad team they're going to play against in the next upcoming games afterwards. But I feel like the record's going to continue. Oh boy, I, I do feel for for the people that are on that team. Like I, I, I mean, I like Jay Nivey, despite like you know the the beef that they have uh, that Kings fans have with him. I, I love Kate Cunningham. I like Isaiah Stewart. Bo, Bogey is good. Asar Thompson is gonna be really good. And you know, like I, I got to show love to Marvin Bagley. They have good players, but they just don't fit together. They just don't. And whatever the hell Monty Williams is doing. Like man, they pay, they're paying that man. I think like eighty million over the next like eight years. Good hire, right there. Oh yeah, <laughs> I mean at least he got the bag. Um, I'm hoping they don't fire him because. Oh no, they're not firing him. There's just too much goddamn money. Yeah, I mean, don't want a king situation here now, but I mean, they might have to stretch him <laughs> for all we know. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I I have faith in uh Detroit. Um, let's see. Will they break uh, double digits wins this season? Though no, I think if they're staying at nine, like they'd no. be lucky to get to six at this point. But uh, man, yeah, just, just oh, sorry. To, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, sorry to cut you off, but just seeing two and twenty-seven point zero six nine win percentage. Or well, it's it would be six point nine percent win percentage. It it just doesn't look right. And so far, they've only won one in the home and one on the road. So both at the beginning of the season, they were two and one at one point. Yeah, that? yeah, I remember you mentioned it, but it's just ridiculous to see, man. And you see the last ten, like. Um, stat in this uh, standings. <laughs> yeah, I wish we, we could see the last thirty. <laughs> yeah, they, they, apparently they've lost. They've won four games out of like thirty-seven. Going back to the trade deadline, it, it's, oh, it's it's God. ugly. It's ugly right now in Detroit. But th- as we mentioned, they're not going to fire the coach. They probably need to make a change. So that probably means the players, right? So. My my question to you that I did bring up uh, earlier in the episode. If the situation gets bad enough where Cade wants out and the and the Pistons, their front office has not been good. They actually might be stupid enough to do this. Let's just say they put Cade on the market. How many picks oh. are you willing, would you be willing to give up for Cade? Now... If he's open in the market, everyone's going to jump on it for sure. So his price probably going to be driving driven up uh, if you know everyone's interested. So for a guy like Cade, man, I wish we could get him for free, but I feel like it'd be like four or five. Not going to lie. And yeah, I'm assuming we don't. They they're going to ask for Key, and we're going to say, "Go fuck yourself." You could have drafted, or yeah. Yeah, um, they're gonna ask for Keegan. Um, so yeah, you just mentioned I was thinking like it has to start with three. Um, but uh-huh. it, as you mentioned, like the price is gonna be driven up to four at, or five. 
would you be would you be willing to do four or five let's just say five would you be willing to do five? Oh, that's tough that's a that's tough i'm not gonna lie oh man i, I gotta say no four it's like that's a big maybe still for me i would say yes for four but five is a little steep i think i would you would like that's a young guy that's another ball handler and like i I, there's been some doubt cast on kate's ability as you know that franchise wing Look, if he comes to Sacramento, and let's just say you don't give up anything substantial, because like his his uh, salary number is like minuscule, it's like maybe twelve, like eight million, I think, right now. It's not, it's not much, eight to uh-huh. ten million. Like you can, like that's a guy you can build around this team. He's young. He's a he's he's you know six seven can handle the ball can can kind of shoot, um, and also like can actually defend. Like that's a really valuable piece, and you know the money that like when you extend them, the money's gonna be tricky. But like he's that's a guy you that's a guy I would give the farm for if you don't include like you know any of the important players uh, like Keegan or you know you're you're not trading Fox or Sabonis. So like you know I, I don't think I would even do Malik for it. But like that's a I would like I would include five picks for him. If you put it in that perspective, yeah, we're going to have to because, yeah, I do not want to get rid of anyone on this team yet. Maybe some, but that's that's a big but, but that But the tricky part is you don't even need to to give up that because he because k's on a rookie skill contract right now like you don't need you need you need you need draft picks and probably a prospect and it's not going to be keegan i don't think so you know yeah no indeed but so far i think they're just gonna you know <laughs> just kind of deal with it for the rest of the season with uh what they're doing so far because and honestly if i was detroit i would ride it out like yeah. you have a you have some talent. You, you're gonna have to reshuffle it a little bit, but like don't trade Cade. Don't be stupid. No, he's literally the star piece in your whole roster. So yeah, just just suck it up. Yeah. Well, no, oh, hopefully the Pistons do get a Christmas gift and they get a win soon at some point because uh, it is miserable up there. Did you know they're doing like a five, like a, a what's it called a deal with Wingstop where I think it's like five free wings if the if Detroit wins. But if Detroit wins, if Detroit wins, so any I, any game, home or road. Uh, I'm I'm not sure. I think it's I think it's both, but I'm not sure, but. Yeah, they haven't won in a while, so those wings are just sitting there. Man, I bet wings are making some money with all the advertisements that they're doing. Now, it kind of reminds me of that Chip Foy years uh, for the Kings. That was uh, that was some glorious well, years. Well, the difference is they actually made 10 threes. Yeah, <laughs> like, nowadays it'd be so easy. Yeah. <laughs> well, they wouldn't have gotten one this this game, but you know, no, yeah, like it's they're just not winning. <laughs> It's just, it is, it is sad. And uh, again, hopefully it gets better, Detroit. You guys do deserve better. No, no one deserves this level of pain, if you will. Yeah, the moment that they jump back up, I'll be excited for them, just like how the Lions are this season. 
if they beat Brooklyn at home on on Tuesday, they do you think they throw confetti? Oh, it, wait, it's at home. It's at home. It's at home. Oh man, they yeah they they got to throw the confetti. They got to make their own beam. You know what? Throw <laughs> throw a parade. Like seriously. Well. We'll ship them a beam for them just so for them to light it because my God, yeah, that's a it's a miracle for sure. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all I have uh, for this episode. Uh, I also have some obligations to attend to. So no final thoughts, just gonna close this episode. Uh we'll have some maybe final thoughts next game. But uh anyways, thank you guys for listening. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Yep, we'll see you guys later.